Hey, hello everybody. We should be live now. Thanks for waiting with us here. I'm Dave, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com, joined today by Blurred Without Fear. We got Ernie on the line, as well as Verno from the Cerebros and the new comic breakdowns that you all should check out here on YouTube as well. Let us know how things are coming through. How's the video? How's the audio? And we're going to talk all things X-Men Inferno today, okay? So thanks to those of you who have joined us here live. Much appreciated. Get your questions in in the chat, and we will try to tackle those that we can. Um, I think otherwise, you know, the Super Chat is available. If you want to get a priority question, make sure we see it. That is the best way to do so, and obviously greatly, greatly appreciated. But otherwise, we're going to talk the big X-Men issue today. We're going to talk Inferno number one. Um, we will probably, uh, if there's time at the end, we may dig into Sword number eight. I got to admit, I didn't even, I didn't even get to Wolverine number sixteen. I was so caught up thinking about Inferno and uh, talking to people about Inferno that I downloaded Wolverine and just uh, plum forgot to read it. Okay, so <laughs> oh, I, I have no Wolverine thoughts beyond like a few panels I've seen. But uh, but we'll dig straight into <laughs> Inferno. Uh, yeah, if everything's working, keep us letting us know in the chat. That's appreciated. Uh, but let's dig into it. Let's do this because we're starting late here. Um, Ernie, I want to start with you. Okay. Re reactions to Inferno number one. What did you think about it? Uh, were you happy with it? What were your What were your initial reactions? Uh, initial reactions. I was very pleased uh, with what I read. It was good to finally you know, start seeing some some more of Mora. Uh, seeing some more of the, you know, the uh, playing into all the other stuff going on with Mystique and uh, Orcus. It was good to kind of, it felt good to, you know, touch those plot threads again. So I was really into it. It, it. There was a lot of, I won't say like shocking things that happened. I think there was one like particularly, you know, shocking thing that right. I thought was legitimately shocking. But everything else was kind of like, oh, okay, cool, cool. This is... Oh right, yeah, yeah, this is happening. Okay, cool. I kind of expected something like this to be going. Okay, that's nice too. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. We're getting somewhere. And then like yeah, by the time you get to the um uh you get to the end of it, uh, you know, and you're just like, Oh my god. It was like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Like I'm 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 I I, I if, I guess this is like the this was like the the turn. This was like, oh man, this is where everything is starting to to really come together, right? And uh, I, I loved it. Uh, I loved it. It was. It, it did feel a little long, mm -hmm. but it wasn't not in a bad way. I just, I was just, I kept looking. I was like, you noticed the length of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh wait, there's still. I'm at page forty. There's still fifteen more pages left. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> Verno, what would you think? What were what were your initial reactions and kind of where do you net out now just broad like big picture and i right. should say before i let you answer um we will be talking all things inferno number one today we will be talking the hickman x-men run so anticipate that we will be talking in depth spoilers will follow um i the assumption is if you're here you don't mind that or you've read it <laughs> one of those two things all right so verno reactions uh i loved it i definitely loved it i agree with a lot of the points that ernie made it was I always say this a lot. There's there's the experience of reading the comic for the first time, and then there's reading it the second time. And this is one of the one of the few times where I enjoyed it better on the the first read through hmm. because it was just there was a lot of first of all one thing I didn't like I wasn't expecting and that I really enjoyed and I hope we get more of in the next three issues is more callbacks to Hickman's Inferno or Hickman's X Men run. And just like the Dawn of X in general, yeah, we get a little Terra Ter Verde mention, yeah, little uh, 
uh, horticulture, just just things like that. And as soon as I realized, like, oh, this is his his like a an end of an era kind of. He's gonna do all these little odes to the the era. You know what I mean? So that was cool. I loved the ending. I liked the the little bishop part. There was a lot of good moments. It felt a little like a lot of Hickman's comics can feel, where it was like stilted. There's all these different sections that don't necessarily mesh together. You know what I mean? Some feel a little bit out of place. But overall, I, I thought it was I thought it was really fun. I, I, I loved it, especially the ending. The ending kind of set it over the top for me and like blew my mind a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. I talked in, so I, I did get to do a, a Crack in Krakoa. And this is, I should say, I didn't even say up top. So this is formally Crack in Krakoa number 200. I've done 200 of these now. We're going to count this post-game live as the, the 200th rendition of this um and it feels fitting that it would be inferno number one you know definitely like there i've literally withheld doing videos because i'm like i want to i want to line up this (laughs) dumb numbering (laughs) thing i have in my head very very comics brain on that one um yeah no i totally agree i think the ending the thing i talked about is hickman is very good about and he talks in interviews about maintaining this thing he calls narrative velocity right but i think essentially what just that means is story and plotting that has the feel of genuinely moving forward, right? Marvel is so frequently, and there's this quote attributed to Stan Lee, I think probably incorrectly, like many things with Stan and Marvel, um, but about the illusion of change, right? And this thing where it's like, we are basically, we want superhero readers to feel like things are changing, but it's an illusion because really things never totally change. We're Mm, kind of stuck in Marvel time, right? And what Hickman's pretty good at doing is actually defying the illusion of change and actually trying to change something, right? And that's what the ending of this comic feels like. It felt like a thing that, okay, this might happen in the second issue, this might happen in the third issue, it might be after all sorts of battles and, and you know dialogue and conversation, but no, just we're going to jump that gun and we're just going to get into it. I thought, and we'll, we'll talk specifically about what the ending is. Um, again, for people hopping on, this will be a spoiler-filled conversation. But, um, you know, I think big picture... I'm kind of with you guys in terms of reaction. I think it was, I thought it was very good. Uh, It did not blow my mind. I think that's one thing I've kind of had to do for myself is the advantage House and Powers had is the advantage that anything brand new has. You don't know where it's going. And that newness and that freshness and that, oh my goodness, X-Men are back and it's going to be this new brand new era. It's impossible to recapture that at a later stage, right? All you can do now, or the best you can do now, is pay off the story and the seeds that you've planted, right? But you can't recapture the magic of a new thing. And I think a lot of readers, myself included sometimes, are struggling with that because it's like, oh, is Inferno as good in House and Powers? And I think in so many ways, it just can't be. It can't be the same thing. It's not the introduction. It's not the start of the ride. We can't go back. Nonetheless, I think it's very good at setting expectations for what this story is going to be. Um, you know, I think a part of the downside is just if you're in it, like all of us are, reading the comics, talking about the comics, discussing it, we knew most of what was coming, I think, in a lot of ways, right? With the exception of the timing of the end of this comic, right? So I'm just going to mm. say it now, so get ready again. If you don't want spoilers, bail right now, because this is the big one. Um, at the end of this comic, Destiny's back, okay? Not oh, maybe Destiny will get resurrected, not, oh, we have a plan to get Destiny resurrected. She's straight up back. She is strutting her stuff. 
She doesn't look like she's 97 anymore, <laughs> you know, at least to me. Um, she is back and she's just plopping down in Apocalypse's seat on the Quiet Council being like, what's up, let's vote, with, with Mystique's glee as they hold this vote potentially to have Destiny on the Council. And Magneto looking like a grumpy toddler, which was an incredible, incredible <laughs> visual. I loved it. Um, that's awesome. That's fantastic. But with the exception of that, I would say we kind of knew the beats in the info and in, in the general story that was going to be here um and all of it is setting the stage for still mostly just raising the questions that we had just kind of about Moira about Doug about Emma it's kind of just amplifying those questions and being like yep those are still the questions remember we're going to talk about those in issues two three and four which I'm I'm super excited for uh, my first question for you guys let's talk about it since I just went there um Destiny's Resurrection one reaction to it two how do you think this happened specifically, and what do you think it means? Uh, Vernal, let's start with you on this one. Uh, reaction to it is that it was awesome. I, it, it very much caught me off guard. It was something that I think most of us didn't think we would get until you know the third or fourth issue, till the end of this thing. So it's it's interesting, and it's it's intriguing that they he did it right off the bat. Who resurrected her, Dave? You, you Ernie, you guys are gonna know better than I am. There, there is a, a plethora or a plethora, whichever one you prefer, <laughs> of, of ways in the Marvel Universe to resurrect people and mm -hmm. things. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So there, there's a lot of ways. I personally hope that it's not like some very random thing that doesn't have anything to do with the X-Men. Like if Proteus did it, then that would be cool. But I just hope it's not something like way out of left field. So mm -hmm. as, as, as far as that goes, I, I don't really have any guesses. I guess one would be. Uh, like what oh, if it was the Jackal? <laughs> like, what if it was like, oh, hey, God. it was Spider-Man's Jackal clone, just totally out of left field. <laughs> you know, yeah. I hear what you're saying, though. There are a million yeah, ways. Yeah. And I, I actually like that bit um, with, with the Orcus dialogue, where they were like, hey, the same people keep coming back, even though they keep mm. dying. What are we looking at here? Are we looking at a clone situation? Are we looking, you know, and they're like, we don't, they don't know it's specifically resurrection. Um, but they're like, yeah, we, we know you have options to have the same bodies thrown at us. Like, that science is readily available in the Marvel U. Um, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. I just, uh, there was a bit in Trial of Magneto number two where Hope seemed to have some secrets. She was basically saying we need to get this, uh, or I don't know if she was saying it, but it seemed that she might have known more than she was letting on, and it may or may not have had something to do with the person that looked like Magneto that stole the Cerebro helmet. So maybe she had something to do with it you know i i don't know i'm curious to to hear what theories you guys have i saw somebody joke on twitter today that uh if there were three magnetos it would solve so many questions and problems <laughs> oh, so if we launched God. a three magnetos mini uh, <laughs> that would explain all the various magneto mysteries going on i thought that was funny please do not listen to that idea marvel i know you're listening um, <laughs> can't be any worse than three jokers right? <laughs> exactly uh ernie what what did you think of destiny's resurrection um did it surprise you and and how do you think it happened what do you think what do you think the ramifications are i it didn't surprise me that it happened it surprised me how early it happened yeah uh, I didn't expect it to I, like I always expected at some point Destiny is going to come back. I've thought that since you know, House of X. I'm like, no, at some point she's coming back. Mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't I really didn't expect it to be like issue number one uh, of Inferno where that happens. Um, as far as how 
my mind is all over the place on it. Uh, I'm with one of one of my thoughts is kind of with uh, uh, Verno in just in line of. Part of me wonders if Hope has something to do with it, because I did think it was kind of weird. You know, Hope's behavior in uh, Trial of Magneto, I thought was a little odd. Uh, but you know, if you kind of go back into some of the other stuff that's been going on, like New Mutants, the five have seemed to kind of be taking umbrage with at least one aspect of you know, some things that the Quiet Council has been doing in you know terms of resurrection. So part of me wonders if that has something to do with it. Um, but uh, however it happened, I'm I wouldn't be shocked if Sinister was also involved in some way. Mm. Um, I kind of feel like maybe more. Uh, the idea that she had mystique had at first mm-hmm. like it and just kind of beat her to it. But another thing I kind of thought about too, and I don't know, maybe this one is kind of more out of left field. It would, I don't think this is what happened, but I I'm positive that if it did happen, I wouldn't be surprised is uh, there is a mutant on the Island now who has the same power that mystique does and part of me kind of wondered for a split second, just because there was a, a a little bit of a a, a longing, a lingering rather, on uh, a panel where a gimmick from Children of the Atom and Mystique had met one another. Mm. And Mystique took a particular interest in her when she realized what she could do. Mm. And part of me had kind of wondered if maybe this is just some like smoke and mirrors act like like until they she can actually get destiny back to kind of mess with things but if that was the case it would be like it'd be way too convoluted Mm. uh it just the resurrection thing would just make more sense (laughs) yeah yeah right just let hope let the five be like in business for themselves or something or you know yeah they're mad at dad (laughs) <laughs> right no exactly i think that's what it is i mean so one of the one of the like you know combined pieces that i think is interesting in this issue is so the issue opens with a scene of emma resurrecting charles and magneto right and it totally mirrors mm-hmm. you know what we saw in house of x so that artistically right yep. with the the visual of of professor x saying to me my x-men it's great love seeing emma with the cerebral helmet welcoming the back the the piece that we don't know is when did that happen you know, because right. there is there's a possibility. So my my read on it and my take that I put in the video was that's probably a flash forward. That is probably a thing that is to come. And we're going to learn about how and why throughout this event. There's a possibility, though, that actually that was before everything we read, like the way like it actually played chronologically in the issue. You could make an argument potentially that like well could that have been ramifications of onslaught you know like like things that have happened on the oh, island like right way now of x, yeah yeah like through way of x and the onslaught revelation like a lot of weird stuff happened professor x definitely died at least once um i don't anticipate it'll be that specifically but if it happened before here's the thing emma would have had time and the cerebral helmet and clearly the resurrection capabilities to bring destiny back Right. That is the perfect time yeah. to do it without Professor X and, and Magneto knowing. So I, I, I could see it going both ways. I still stand by. I think that scene is the future. I think that's kind of yeah. going to be how Inferno ends in a lot of ways is Professor X and Magneto brought low their secret scheming and clearly just working around everyone and doing what they think is best for all of mutant kind is going to be the ruin of them. And that they are going to then be resurrected into a new version of Krakoa uh, by Emma, where they are no longer so solely in power or so solely controlling of state secrets. Um, 
As far as Destiny goes, just big picture, I mean, yes. I think it was an amazing turn. I love the timing of it. Absolutely love it. I compared it to uh, Breaking Bad Season 5, the first episode. When, like, all the oh, hype yeah. of that season was, like, oh, when's, uh, when's Hank going to find out, you know, about Walt? And, like, oh, he's so close. And when are they going to confront? And they just jumped right into it. They just jumped mm-hmm. right into it because they're, like, we know we have a big, massive story. We have so much good story to tell. We'll give you this now. And that's one of the things that I, I harp on the most with comics is, like, you know a story is going to be good when they just drop huge stuff up front because you know they have the confidence to say we have good stuff for later. It's part of why I've been increasingly resistant to the slow burn of so much of the Dawn of X. If you look at Excalibur, if you look at Marauders, if you look at um, X-Force, for example, Mm -hmm. it's like I don't think they have the goods. I don't think they have the confidence to say we have the goods. We'll just give you the good stuff now. Right. So not to make mm-hmm. it about that, but I, I think that's awesome in Inferno. I think Destiny back um, to me. One thing that pushes on is Destiny's here. The the Moira secret can't last much longer, like no. the the secrecy of her character, which first off, she doesn't seem to be into. You mm-hmm. know, intriguing. Well, it seemed like she was in House of X. Yeah. Which uh-huh. is weird that now it's like the opposite. Like, yes. it's like, well, why do I have to hide? <laughs> yeah yeah like she's she's annoyed she's angry at magneto mm-hmm. and professor x here like like extensively and um the fact that she's mad about that and the fact that destiny's back now it's like how much longer can the secret last like i don't know if it lasts beyond the next issue before all of mutant kind is aware and then the other piece of it too is like well orcas just found the gateway to her no place potentially they're working with mm-hmm. horde culture to hack gateways like they could be walking into Moira's house for tea time next issue as well, right? And sending in the Nimrod. So that I anticipate is going to get blown up, which I love. I'm, I'm all for that. I think that secret needs to come out. I think that really changes the direction of the line, which is the promise of this event, right? The promise of this event mm-hmm. is the Krakoa era can't be the same after it. Right. It has to change significantly and it has to mean we get different kinds of stories. Um, I wanted to ask you guys as well. So there's a, a page that I found really really fascinating and they they even tease this one in like previews it's moira's third life um which we get we get the flashback to the destiny mystique conversation it's a new perspective this time right Mm -hmm. we get additional dialogue some dialogue has changed it seems you know the read on it that i had is like okay this seems like it's probably from the perspective of mystique or destiny versus in house of x it was probably from the perspective of moira um or it's just hickman editing himself like like kanye life of pablo style just being like this is an unfinished work (laughs) It never ends. <laughs> I'm gonna let it this over. I want. Um, it could go either way, but we get that flashback. But then Moira goes back to revisit. So in her third life, the lab is burned by the Brotherhood. In that life, Moira was working on a cure for mutant kind because she hated her mutant ability. She was right. like driven mad by it in some ways, you know. So she used her scientific prowess to say, "I need a cure. We'll use this for mutant kind. We'll use this for the good. So I don't have to keep living lives." She didn't want that. And we forget that, or I forget that now because mm-hmm. she's gone through these lifelines, but she only goes through these lifelines four through nine as an advocate for mutant kind because destiny would burn her alive if she didn't, right? right. It's, it's all fear-based, I think, is the huge, right. huge revelation here as opposed to Moira as a willing participant and, and mm-hmm. like, part of the cause. Like, I don't – there's a lot of doubt cast on that, I think, within Moira's own psyche. So here's the question I want to pose to you guys. There's that page of Moira revisiting the facility and finding the cure. And she finds a notebook with the cure in her 10th life. Now, 
we know the facility was burned in the third life. The notebook still exists in the tenth life. What is happening here? And uh, how do we rationalize Moira having the cure in this lifeline? What do you guys think? Damn. I'm not gonna lie, I missed that. I didn't even I didn't even pick up that she found the cure in this book. And that doesn't make any sense. I, I see what you're saying. Basically, it seems like she at one point in this lifetime, she was she was on the same path that she was on in her third lifetime. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, that does not make any sense to me. I'm, I'm that curious. is yeah, no, that's incredibly, incredibly odd because like there's there's not supposed to be any carryover from one life to the next except right. for Moore's memories. That's the only thing that she maintains is the memory of the previous life. So the fact that like I mean, I don't know, maybe one could make the one can make the argument that maybe she because she does she does seem to still go through some of like this not all the same beats of a previous life, but like some of them. Mm-hmm. You could almost make the argument that maybe like yeah, you know, she still followed like you know her scientific uh, pursuits, but maybe she didn't. Maybe or may, maybe like there was, you know, maybe she got involved with one thing just to kind of see how far we're going and backed out of it, and you know, or whatever. But I don't know. I just feel like even if she did that, Destiny would have you know came and you know clapped her up. You know, right, just, right. Uh, you know, just for even so much as you know sniffing in that direction. But I don't know. I it's uh. It's it's crazy to think about. Like I, I'm I'm legitimately baffled by it. Right. So like legitimately it, baffled. <laughs> it wouldn't be like that entertaining of a thing to do. I don't think they would want to do it. But maybe it's just she wanted certain things to happen the way that they did happen. So she just followed the steps that she was following, ensuring that things stayed. You know what I mean? Maybe there was one aspect. Okay, as long as I do this, then Charles is going to do this. But oh, yeah. he did it. Now I can. Now I can swerve. It seems. Huh. It seems a little thin. I don't actually believe that, but it, yeah. you know what I mean. So here's... she still has a card to play. She still has a card to oh, play. Yeah. Like and that might be a hint of what what she's gonna try and do. Yeah, I have a feeling Dave's about to explain it to us right now. What, yes. what, what the hell is going <laughs> on, Dave? So here's my theory. So, okay, she. My first thought was she's carrying around Destiny's diaries or something because that was you know we've seen her reading those Destiny's diaries. Destiny writes down all the futures, maybe destiny had jotted down, maybe, you know, in her future predicting state. Um, that was my first read on it. And I was kind of like, well, I don't totally know what to make of that. Um, you could also make a case that like, maybe she just remembers, maybe she just remembers it from life three and she's jotting notes down in a weirdly charred notebook. Maybe she likes that style. Um, I think what is more likely is after destiny died in X-Men continuity, which happens, you know, time-wise, like 1989, 1990, right? Or like, it's right before mm. the original Inferno, actually. I think it's right around there. Um, in Uncanny X-Men, circa, uh, or, or courtesy of Legion slash Shadow King, for those of you who haven't read those comics. Um, Destiny dies. Moira maybe would have had the opportunity to be like, okay, Destiny's dead. And I can do what I want now. Uh, so it's a possibility that she actually spent some time in Life 10 working on the cure. Because she's still... I think the, the real crux of this issue, Inferno number one, the real thing that we're learning here is the implication is there's a very strong doubt still in Moira's mind that she even should be trying to help mutant kind advance towards survival. One, because it's impossible because they always lose, or it seems that way to her. And two, because she doesn't even want that. <laughs> I think she like kind of just wants to die and not right. have to keep reliving these lives. That is a That is the character read that I'm getting on her, the way the 
perspective is framed now, right? So it makes sense to me that after Destiny died, she goes to the lab, she finds these doctors that she knows developed a cure with her in, the, in a past life, and she does it, and she develops the thing. But what happens then is the lab has still been burned to the ground. The lab has still been burned to the ground. I think this is Destiny posthumously gave Mystique clearly all sorts of instructions about like futures that were to pass, right? She told her, if, uh, you know, there comes a time where they won't bring me back, burn that place to the ground, right? It's vague, but it's clearly like now, like, oh, Kirkoa. Destiny could have given Mystique similar instructions. Like, hey, right. if uh, if Moira's working with these people in a lab, or however she does it, burn that place to the ground. All of her instructions are burn-placed, very arson-based instructions. But nonetheless, <laughs> she gives this instruction. That's what happened when Moira died. Mystique burned her alive, I think, in, like, the early 2000s, right? That's the death of Moira, which we know now is, like, a fake death. But she tried to kill her. Maybe she tried to kill her in um, at Destiny's behest. Because the, the piece of this that has to add up for me, as all these continuity pieces get wrangled and, you know, all sorts of stuff that doesn't matter, but does it work? I think it does. Um, the piece that has... Like, Destiny still should have known, still had a, should have had a future prediction that even after her death that Moira might try it. Because otherwise, that was always the the out that Moira would have would be like, oh, I'll just kill Destiny, and then I could do whatever mm -hmm. I want after that fact, right? Destiny doesn't control her past that point. So I think the, the story has to function in such a way where Destiny knew she would do this even after she died, and then basically had Mystique, you know, at her behest, mm. um, burn it to the ground. So that's a theory. It might not be that, but otherwise, I'm, I'm just kind of like... Why do you include that page, and why are we including these visuals of something that we only saw in Life 3 still existing in Life 10? There has to be a right. story there about how it right. got there. Uh, I think it's that's fascinating. A great though. catch. Yeah, no, that's, oh, that's, that's really cool. I didn't even think about I didn't make that connection, but that's good stuff. Cool, cool. I thought. And so. I have nothing to add to it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I like to say, I'm, I'm still equally just... Uh, uh, just baffled at the fact that that it's something that you know that happened mm -hmm. because i thought it was strange when i saw it i thought it was incredibly strange it just seemed like i was like my eyes kind of went that? over it the first the first yeah. couple times right. i was kind of just like mm -hmm. why is this page here you know i had, I had right. a few of those right. Moments, right and I, I think this is you know this is the thing is like we're on issue one of a four issue mini that is the end mm -hmm. of hickman's story as we know it right right mm -hmm. so it's like to me this is a very careful plotter I don't anticipate there are right. a lot of pages that don't mean things for these four issues specifically, right? That, that, right. that don't yeah. have a very particular purpose. Um, yeah. And sometimes that can be a red herring. Sometimes we read too deeply into that, you know, and give Hickman too much credit. But uh, but I think with something like this, right. the, yeah. the story here is Moira and her doubt and what is her plan. And then, you know, I think the thing that that answers is the biggest question going into this for me, and there are many good ones, is... Why is Mara so scared of Destiny? Why on earth does she yeah. not want her brought back so badly? And I think the main theory to this point, or a common theory, has been like, oh, Myra has plans for assimilation to the phalanx, and they aren't in the best interest of mutant kind, and Destiny would put the kibosh on that. But it could be a lot simpler. It could be a lot simpler and just be like, Moira wants to develop a cure for mutant kind, specifically for herself, more than anyone, and mm -hmm. she doesn't want Destiny back, because Destiny will, will ruin that. And she, uh, you know, killed her one time, and she didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like that, to me, is the most likely the most likely answer. Um, or at least if, that's the way if, this issue sets it up. 
if that yeah. comes back as being as significant as it as it seems right now, then I love it. Then that's like my favorite panel in the book, just to make it so subtle and something yeah. that just passed by me two times. Like that's super cool. By the way, I'm looking, and uh, we talked about it before we got on. It, it, issue number two comes out uh, October 27th, and it, it's 52 pages as well. Massive. So if, yeah. if, if people were curious, hopefully we've got another. It looks like 150 plus pages of uh, of X Men from Hickman. You I love know, that. So hopefully, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love great. the size of it. I, it is kind of interesting that they would roll it out as that instead of an eight week thing. You know, like clearly right. there's a clearly there's a desire to have this done by the start of the new year so they can keep the timeline and the and the publication calendar rolling. You mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to complain. I I actually really like these giant sized issues in a lot of ways there's just so much meat to chew on uh all right i want to answer a super chat here because it ties into what we were just talking about so one of our readers here i think it was aaron thank you for the, the super chat here says small error question mark the flashback to moira's third death had destiny refer to her as dr mctaggart but she never married joseph in that life right i think this is one of the interesting details about the the diary or the um the cure notebook that Moira's holding in life 10 as well as she's listed as Moira McTaggart. She only has the McTaggart surname as far as I know in life 10 when she married Dr. Joseph McTaggart specifically to have the Omega level Proteus, right? Mm -hmm. As far as I know, she was never married to the horrible, horrible, abusive man, Joseph McTaggart in any of her other lifelines. I think that's only a life 10 thing. So I think if she's called Dr. McTaggart in life three, uh, Probably that's an error. Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would guess there's not a big story about her also doing that in Life 3. I would say, yeah, honestly, the only thing it makes, if it's a mistake, then it's a mistake. But if it was intentionally done, I think it lends a lot of credence to what you said earlier about this. Maybe being not Mora's notebook, but maybe being Destiny's. Mm-hmm. Like maybe being one of her diaries. Oh. Like maybe something that she... Ju- like, if it is, that either way, yeah, it's one of those that... I mean, honestly, it's not the only mistake that I caught. There was, at least from a... There was a there was a grammatical one later in the book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. These a, things a happen. A word was a word was left out. That's not an uncommon thing. So mistakes do happen. But mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know if it. it I feel like almost everything that Hickman does, like you said earlier, there's usually some intent. You know, like I feel like, you know, he doesn't just put stuff in there because, you know, all the time, like 90 percent of the time, it's usually because it's going to be paid off. Yeah. And I feel like maybe we'll learn a little more in the next um, maybe the next issue or two, possibly. But. Yeah, I don't know. It, it it is it is strange. It is it is a strange and odd thing to put in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I anticipate it'll pay off. I, I have high hopes for that one. Um, we got some related good questions here that I wanna I wanna throw to you guys. What do you guys think about Destiny and Moira working together? Maybe they've been planning throughout Moira's tenth life to plot against Professor X and Magneto to get to Moira's eleventh life, which includes mutants winning. Verno, thoughts on Moira and Destiny together again for the first time? Moira and Destiny? I have no idea, man. I have no idea. You got you you're breaking my brain right now. I got to sit and think about all these lives. I don't think they, they I don't think they get along very well. I don't know. Honestly, I don't I don't think that has much water unless you guys can explain to me why it or holds water, I should say. I, I don't know. I don't really follow that. I like that I like that twist from a break the rules, do the unexpected. 
point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think after this first issue that there's any chance of it. Moira seems genuinely terrified of Destiny and really yeah. wants her gone. Like, she she made efforts in this issue to have Destiny so she could never be resurrected. She right. made efforts in such a way that, like, that, that, not, that hasn't happened for anyone. The exception of, like, Sabretooth's maybe the closest getting tossed in the pit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No one has suffered the penalty to that degree of, like, no possible resurrection. So I think Mara genuinely hates and is terrified of Destiny. I don't see them coming together, at least in the short right. term. No, I, I a thousand percent agree. Uh, I don't I don't think that's I, you, OK. You, you, you're talking about alliances. I think one that makes would make. Probably not as much sense, but maybe would be more likely to happen. <laughs> Is when you know Charles is asking you know more. What if we tried to make peace with the machines? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, you had that opportunity, you screwed that up in Hellions. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you, you could have had Smiley's on your side, but no, we had to screw it up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, just I feel like those. That's yet another one of those things. It's like, hmm, I don't know, I don't mm. know. I'll thing things put things on my bingo list that won't happen. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, I think the the most credence I can give to it is Mm. if you have these alliances of Emma, Mystique, Destiny, let's throw Mr. Sinister in there because he's going to go whichever way the wind is blowing, um, against Professor X and Magneto, I can see Mara on the side of against Professor X and Magneto in a way, like after this issue, in a way that I didn't really buy before this issue because clearly Mm -hmm. she's angry at them. Clearly they're not listening to her the way she expects that they will. Um, I, I can see that more. So from that perspective, I can see Mara being like, you know, I, don't, I just don't like them. I'll work with whoever else. But I, again, it kind of depends on what Mara's goals actually are, because it seems like her goal, at least the way this issue sets it up, is to develop a cure for mutant kind. And obviously, Destiny has, has <laughs> made her thoughts on that matter clear. Um, so that, that ties into another good question here we got. I think this one's from Ryan. Thanks mm. for the, the question and the, the support here in the chat, guys. I'd love to see these questions coming in. Uh, theory. Moira has been secretly against mutants, and that's why she wants to keep Destiny Precogs dead. Think of all she's done over the years to Magneto and messing with mutants on a grand scale. Do we think Moira's actually anti-mutant and is finally in Life 10? Is like, I, I don't think working towards survival makes sense anymore. I just want to work to keep Destiny off the board so I can... I can work on the thing that I thought, like her dream, her Professor X dream Mm -hmm. is a world where a mutant cure is available. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the thing is like, she doesn't view it in the destiny sense of like, oh, if I make this available, it'll be uh, Days of Future Past immediately. Like Mara's still Mm -hmm. like, this might work. This might be a good thing. And people (laughs) who want it can have it. You know, I think she probably believes that. Um, What do you guys think? Is that, is that actually what Mara's doing? Kind of working against mutant kind? I, I, this may, Having this conversation with you guys, it really, excuse me, it makes it all make more sense. Like the big question has been, why doesn't Moira want Destiny back? If that is the case, if she was working on the mutant cure, then that's like the perfect reason. Like Destiny would have known she would have narked her out. You know what I mean? Like that, it makes a lot of sense. I'm almost convinced that that is the case. So, that, I mean, that that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's the way the wind's blowing. Um, Ernie, what? There was that, you mentioned this, Magneto and Charles here say like, hey, what if we work with the machines? Which is something that I think, you know, a lot of people, including you and I probably have theorized about just kind of like, oh yeah, like it seems like that might be a possible 
future, given all the powers of ten stuff, right? Where we have right. phalanx, we have homo novissima, we have post-human, basically combinations. Do you think that was a bluff, or do you think that's actually somewhere we might go? I think it's a possibility. I think mm. it is a possibility because, and I might be, you know what? This is pie in the sky. So yeah, so you know, take this with a grain of salt if you want. Um, go back to. Uh, House of X, Powers 10, and especially the year 1000 stuff. And uh, I remember a lot of a lot of people when all that stuff was coming out and people were like, oh, my God, you know, more threw in her lot with Apocalypse of all people. And it's like, well, I mean, it was one of the things that she hadn't tried. You know, it was like she was she was desperate. You know, she was like, I've, she's like, I've tried siding with Charles. I've tried siding with Magneto. I've tried uh, yeah, I've now, now I've tried siding with Apocalypse and, you know, now trying to side with everybody. The one thing that I think she hasn't tried is siding with the machines. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things that from if I look at it from that perspective, I can go, yeah, that could probably happen. I right. think it would be very difficult just considering, you know, the state that orcus is in right now and everything going on with nimrod and dr gregor director devo and especially if you start looking at the stuff going on with jerry duggan with like uh uh henry peter gyrick and you know Fay long and dr stasis i feel like mm, probably won't happen <laughs> <laughs> but, but if it did could be interesting yeah <laughs> and hickman has went out of his way to continuously write from the perspective of orcus like he, yeah. he's written like X-Men 20 is through the, the prism of a love story with the mm. Dr. Gregors. So yeah. maybe he, he set something up for for an alliance with them by at least portions or factions of the mutants. But mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that would be interesting because I definitely I actually do like not just like those characters as in villains, but like I have empathy for the people of Orcas and that, that, and that's from Hickman's design and not something he did on accident. You know what I mean? So right. there might, there might be something there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It is an important, I think, development to make Orcas not so obviously like the quote unquote bad guys. I just think that general blurring of good and bad is a good thing for any characters that we're dealing right. with. It's why yeah. all of these villains that show up on Krakoa are so compelling or the ones that are, you know, yeah. like a Magneto is obviously the famous example of this, but it's like, is he a villain? Is he a hero? It doesn't matter. He's a really well-developed character who has a lot right. to him. Um, and that's why we like the character. So there's a, there's a nice thought here in the chat that I think ties into what you guys were just saying and kind of what we've been talking about with Moira. Could that cure be about the legacy virus? So when Moira was working on the legacy virus in Muir Island, maybe in this timeline, she not only tried to make the legacy virus cure, but also a mutant cure. Did she sneak in mm. the mutant cure developments while mm. she's doing all that 90s legacy virus stuff, I'm into it. I'm into that theory. I think that works. Um, that I would see explain. That. Yeah, right. Like, she was in the lab constantly. Like, that's her. Like, if you read 90s Uncanny X Men or Excalibur yeah. in the books that she's in, like, every fifth page is like Moira in the lab, right? Like, she's yeah. constantly she, she's, doing she's, it. She's got beakers and Bunsen burners and everything just yeah. all over the place. She's lousy with them. And yeah. So, I <laughs> yeah, mean, exactly. it, so, yeah, it would make sense. Like, you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm totally cooking up this. Yeah, this is, yeah, this, this is totally the cure for the legacy virus, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Colossus, drink this. Let's see what happens. Oh, okay, cool, cool, Yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah. Um, it, did it, can you still it just, turn to metal? 
<laughs> I've just I know realized. It's an odd question, but just I just wanted to know, just in case. Science for side effects purposes. Science, gotta test, gotta test. <laughs> um, so, so here's here's a theory that I have that I'm I'm whipping up now based on that. So, life ten. If we take it that Moira is working on a cure, maybe has a cure, is the choice that Destiny referred to in House of X, number two, when in the conversation, when she says to Moira, you have 10 lives, maybe an 11th if you make the right choice. Mm. Is the choice mm-hmm. gonna be, do you take the cure or not? Because if Moira takes the cure oh. in life 10, she's done. No more lives, right? right? Sure. Cure to mutant ability, if it works. If she doesn't, which Destiny would consider the right choice, Maybe that's how she gets the eleventh life. Theory. Got you. Theory. I think that's that works. Point. That I, actually I, makes I a lot it. of sense. I, I I can I can jive with that because that is something that's kind of been I think the biggest mystery since House of X. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, and if not the biggest mystery, it's definitely one of is that line, that line of dialogue. You can have. You'll have ten lives, eleven if you make the right choice. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What's the right choice? And we, and because we haven't seen Mora much, you know, since uh, House of X, that's kind of been the lingering thing. Like, okay, well, when are we going to find out more about this choice? What's the choice? And now we, it looks like we're actually getting very close to it. And if the choice is like to take the mutant cure or to not take the mutant cure, I think that would be a pretty big deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really think that would be a pretty big deal because it's like, for one, you're potentially taking a character off the board permanently. Mm-hmm. You know, in, you know, for the future in case any shenanigans happen, but yeah, I just I don't know. It, it's I, I would Mora has become like you took this character who used to be like this kind of a side character, and they become now the one of the most important pieces in in all of X Men lore now. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's got to be curious, yeah, you know, to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah totally. Definitely. I think one of the I think one of the biggest problems I have with that question basically like mm-hmm. oh if you make the right choice 10 lives you make or if you make the right choice in 11th life is it's sort of the assumption that i make based on that is like oh well she's gonna make the right choice because mm-hmm. why on earth would you plant the seed of the <laughs> coolest thing a lifeline reset mm-hmm. for storytelling purposes if you aren't going to use it right that feels like a big old right. reset button you want to use assuming there's you know some level of success in x-men comics which obviously there has been so to me it's like okay she's going to make the right choice we had the story is what is the choice and how do we get there, right? It's kind of like a it's kind of like a given almost that she does. You know, it. there's something you just made me think, and I don't know. This probably has nothing to do with nothing, but remember, there was a point where Destiny says, "I know how to get rid of you," mm-hmm. and she says basically, like, if you were to, um, if you were to, uh, you know, die before you your your X gene activates. Mm-hmm. You know, then you wouldn't get to resurrect, right. or, or not resurrect, but reincarnate rather. Um, this is the this is probably the dumbest thing that could possibly happen. I actually I hope <laughs> this doesn't happen. But part of me wonders they're going to butterfly affect this this bad boy, and uh, <laughs> or bad girl rather. And uh, like, what if like you know to 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 let's say things get so bad. That's like, okay, we got to have a lifeline reset. Mm. And of course, you know, Mora, you know, she, you know, she's like, all right, cool, I'm going to sacrifice myself. And then just in the womb, just, all right, I'm out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that way the X-Men get their reset and then she doesn't get to affect anything. You know, yeah. they get to, you know, kind of have us. I don't want that to be what happens. Yeah. But 
if it did, <laughs> I would laugh, and then I would I would gently. Well, I won't. I don't. I don't buy physical anymore. But I would. I would close the window of comicsology and then just get up and go outside and touch grass. Yes. <laughs> so here's, yeah. So like, what if, what if this life, so back to the Alliance thing with Mara mm. and destiny, what if they finally, after all the hatred and battle that'll ensue come to terms and they're like, all right, here's the path forward. We figured it out. Um, Moira, if you do this, I will just politely end you. Before you turn 13, I will yeah. find you. We will do the most humane euthanization possible. No more fire, I promise. And uh, <laughs> and and just we will we will we will actually put you out of your like that's a very morbid, yeah. sad direction. But it's kind of this right. issue makes me think like that might be what Moira wants. Like she just kind of they're gonna Don Cheadle it. They're yeah. gonna do the Don Cheadle thing like in Endgame, where he's like just find baby Thanos and just <laughs> and, everyone, and everyone's like, oh my god. That would be wild if yeah. they, if they end Hickman's run by killing a child and everyone applauds it. <laughs> oh, like no. that would be that would be insane. There's no I'm, I'm here for there's it. There's no great way to do that. Like de- like I don't I don't know, but like that that process kind of works. Honestly, uh, it adds up. I don't. This is there's a reason some people are storytellers and some <laughs> some, some yeah. are all wild theories on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. the, the rest of us just read. We just yeah, read yeah. them. We just read them. Uh, uh, all right. I, I don't, yeah, that I, I will. I I do because uh, I just had just the the most random uh, random of thoughts. Um, the thing that I would be very curious about uh, is whether or not Nimrod becomes the reason that that potential alliance mm-hmm. could happen. Because you know, not to not to throw back to old nineties. You know, animated series, uh, masterpiece, uh, X Men animated series, but I could very easily see a moment with Nimrod where, like, yeah, because he was once Erasmus, but now he's evolving into the, you know, to become more machine than anything else. Even Dr. Gregor kind of points this out a bit uh, in this issue. But what if he gets to that point where he hits that same logical conclusion that, you know, Master Mold once had, where he's like, the only way to effectively get rid of mutants is to get rid of humans. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. he's like, well, I got to get all of you now. And that is the thing that makes, uh, you know, Orcus have to kind of be like, oh, man, we got to do something different. That makes <laughs> sense. I can see that. Yeah. And humanity then actually turning to mutants and being like, yeah. let's work together against machines. Um, right. That's kind of not something we've seen through these no. lifelines. So I'm, I'm, potentially here for it. So speaking well, of machines, there is a few pages of good old Doug Ramsey, his, his lovely wife, Bay the Blood Moon. And, uh, and we get an inversion of the scene that we saw in, I think it was powers where Doug touches a leaf. It's been much theorized about the leaf gets all warlocky. It gets all phalanxy and techno organicy. Um, we see an inversion of that in this issue. He touches the leaf, but this time it's him absorbing the techno-organic mm-hmm. virus into his, his cool-looking arm, which apparently mm-hmm. he, like, he, he takes off, right? Like, that's not part of his PJ set. Like, he doesn't wear the arm to bed. <laughs> <laughs> right. So here he, he puts it on, and then Warlock pops up, they have a conversation, and then they're chilling, having a nice old time with Krakoa. What? And, and then there's also a data page that Black Tom Cassidy, who we know is very in tune, probably the most in tune of anyone through the pages of X-Force, with Krakoa is having these sort of, like, nightmarish hallucinations in his dreams, of machines under his skin, and, and clearly 
the reference here is like, oh, he's he's sensing the techno-organic stuff Doug's putting in the island, um, and it's not having a super positive impact. What do we make of Krakoa, the phalanx, techno-organic stuff, and just like, what is Doug doing? Because Doug right. doesn't Doug doesn't seem like the schemer type. He's not the dark, right. sinister, I have a betrayal type. So it doesn't seem likely that he's on board with that. Um, what do you guys think is going on there? Oh, man. It's, I. Oh, no, go ahead, Verno. No, I was, what I was going to say is there's so many things in this issue that they just set it up like that. They, they don't really give you anything more. I have no idea where, where they're going with that personally. So fire, yeah. fire away, Ernie. Are you, guys, oh, are you bothered I, by that, that the issue is kind of like, Kind of like, hey, remember this thing that we've wanted answers to for two years? Right. Yep, we, we're still talking yeah. about it. Like, is that, <laughs> yeah. is that actually kind of well, annoying? That yeah. and, and also just the the length of time that they spent recapping the situation between the Mystique Destiny. and Moira. I, right. I get I get it. Or yeah, and Destiny. I get it for readers that weren't following it. But it's like, if you weren't following it, what are you doing anyway? Like, go back and read read uh, House of X, Powers of Ten. It was. Yeah. I get why they did it, but to spend three pages and redo the whole scene with bonus content it that was a little yeah. much and you know I, to, yeah no i got ptsd from it uh <laughs> I, I i was taken back to ten, uh to ten of swords um uh, and i forget the exact issues but i think it was like x-men number 12 or 13 uh where apocalypse was recounting yeah. like yeah the the history and then like i forget how many issues in but another like somewhere towards right. the middle of Ten of Swords, they had an issue that was mostly just that issue. It's like three but, issues in a row, yeah. Yeah, right. like, but it, but it was literally just that original issue, but just like, but with different text, uh, because it was from another perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, and, I kind of liked that, but I get what you're saying. It was a little. It reminds yeah. me of that. I like this. That's. I yeah. liked that more than I like this. You with know the what benefit I mean? of hindsight, I do too. <laughs> I just, I don't know, I. It bothered me. That was if there was any one thing that you know, particularly bothered me about this comic, it was that. And then, of course, as as Dave just you know pointed out too, just the whole dangling a question that's been a question since 2019, and still not answering it, just right. kind of being like, "Hey, yeah, we yeah. still so don't have an answer." Then again, we're uh, all so <laughs> close to the situation. I think he might have just been kind of trying to remind some people. Like about right. all these little yeah. things, and then, but I mean, as long as he answers them by issue number four, right. I guess then then we'll kind of yeah. see, you know. So I'm glad you said that. So yeah, if we get to issue number four, and I still don't know why the hell <laughs> Cipher is infecting Krakoa yeah. and, and 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 also absorbing the 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 trans mode, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, from the phalanx into himself from the leaves that he is already infected with it. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you know, we were joking earlier about how uh, you know when the onslaught saga started, that was what made me stop reading X Men. Yeah, and, and the clone saga made me stop reading Spider Man. This Inferno will make me stop reading X Men <laughs> if <laughs> if we if that happens if we get to the end of this and there's no answers there's, right. there's no answers whatsoever it's all just been in self indulgent just rigmarole yeah that would upset me it would be <laughs> it would be lost all over again you know yeah. it would just be the the mm. thrill was all in the questions 
and there was no intent of ever paying it off or no plan. Like right. that would be the most right. frustrating outcome. I think especially, you know, cause if, if we weren't in this timeline of Hickman's done and it was instead like, Oh, he's staying and he loves working with this team and he's going to be on X-Men forever. Mm-hmm. Then it would be like, you can ask more questions. Like, right. like you can, you can get away with that. And, and you'll, you'll be requiring some patience still. I don't know that it'd be the right decision, but you, but you could get away with that in the sense of people being like, oh, you got to trust this creator. He works on long time. You know, like you can make those arguments, mm-hmm. but that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. Right. This is the last story. So the answers need to be here or they're not going to come in a Hickman written comic, um, which is fine in and of itself. But again, like I do think the most understandable and genuine criticism of kind of the, the setup focused nature and the, the question based nature of this first issue is these feel like questions that should have been progressed over the course of two years of Dawn of X and Reign of mm-hmm. X. And the fact yes. that, like, everything was put in isolation, like so, like so much of House and Powers, which got everyone so excited, and then all mm-hmm. those questions were put in isolation, being like, we'll get to them later as part of the grand plan. I don't think that was the right call. I, I kind of no. just don't. Yeah. Uh, even when there were comics I liked, and I've obviously talked plenty about... Dawn of X stuff that's good and Reign of X stuff that's great. I love Sword. Like Al Ewing, so- like Sword Number Eight oh, was yeah. my favorite comic today. I haven't talked about that. Sword Number Eight was my favorite comic today, and Inferno Number One came out. I didn't expect that. Inferno, you're not with me. That's all right. That's all yeah, right. yeah. I get it. I yeah. liked it. I'm just fucking with you. Uh, no. I- <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I like I I didn't get to read all of Sword, but mm. what I did read, I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, well, because well, for one, it's focusing on the Queen Bee, and mm-hmm. that's. That's all. That's a win for me, right. automatically. But uh, at the same time, um, I feel like Al Ewing is, um, and I think you said something about this on Twitter not too long ago, uh, talking about who should be the next like head of X. Yeah. And uh, there's name. There's definitely names that come into mind, but I can say the writers who have been the most consistent to me uh, throughout all of this uh, from the jump have been Al Ewing. Yeah. Uh, and I think Leah Williams, like being like a close uh, second, because somehow she made me give a, a squirrel fart about X Factor, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is that was impressive. Very impressive. But I feel like Al Ewing is the guy. Yeah. yeah I right. feel like he has an understanding of uh, and Verno and I talked about this before. Um, he has an understanding of how to tell a Hickman-like story, but leaving out some of those parts that Hickman throws in that don't jive. Yeah. Uh, The the things that annoy me about Hickman, he leaves out. Mm. And he fills it with something I think that's better. Uh, Mm. Like, we were talking about, like, the data pages and stuff like that. I feel like he uses those better than even Hickman does. Definitely, yeah. uh, A lot of the times. Uh, And I feel like when he promises you something, he says, hey, I'm Here's some breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to have to wait two, three, four, five years down the road, uh, you know, for him to, for those breadcrumbs to lead me somewhere. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I yeah, in, in Al Ewing, uh, I trust. Yeah. For, for me, for me, he's that good-looking girl that that nobody will shut up about about how hot they are. It's like, <laughs> yeah, she's good-looking, but I mean, why are we making such a big deal out of her, everybody? Like, you know what I mean? That, that I like, I, I've like. I've liked every single issue of Sword, but it's just it's just another Marvel book to me. It's not it's not in my top ten. It's probably not in my top 
20 series that I'm reading right now. Dang, but it's yeah. good. It's no. good. It's solid. No, I'm reading fair. a lot of, lot that's of fair. stuff. You know? Yeah. No, and, and I hear that. I, I love Sword. I mean, I think it's absolutely delightful. Mm-hmm. I think his Immortal Hulk has been 1, 1A or 1B on my favorite Marvel books of the last couple of years. Definitely. Right? So that's, and, and his Ultimates was awesome too. But Al Ewing, Al Ewing has misses, I think. Um, when oh, you go down yeah. the resume, like, there are amazing hits, and then there are some kind of stuff where you're like, oh, really? He wrote that? Like, that wasn't that good. Um, he kinda, takes more chances than Hickman does. He'll write more yeah. books than Hickman. So, I mean, I got to give him credit to that. He's, he takes more swings, so he's going to have more misses. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, but what I was kind of going to when we when we started talking, Al, who I, I absolutely think is like a – the fact that he's there as part of the X office, I feel a lot more confident and comfortable being like, yes, we should keep reading X-Men comics uh, so long as, as Al Ewing has a presence. Um, but what kind of what I was going was I think the fairest criticism here is – X-Men is a run, um, X-Force is a, like, the way Inferno teases all these things X-Force has been doing that are very relevant to the Orcus battle. Yeah. And, like, how, like, Hickman is selling a threat of Orcus, and he is talking about an attention being paid to them by mutant kind that is nowhere to be, f- not nowhere, but it is very rare to be found in the actual ongoings that built to this point. Like, I don't think that threat was developed as clearly as much of a through line through the dawn and the rain. And I'm not saying it literally all had to be that, but all the stuff that they're talking about here in a data page about X-Force missions, about King Brew, about TechNet, which is totally an Excalibur thing, none of those things happened in the actual series. So instead of feeling like, oh, this era of collaboration and of paying attention to everything that's going on in Krakoa paid off now because we're getting these cool callbacks to all these other series, I kind of had the reaction of like, why didn't this stuff happen? Like, why didn't why didn't right. we connect dots? And why are we only now? Again, it kind of feels like this isolated Hickman verse, which is the total antithesis of what the Krakoa era of X Men comics had been, which is this yeah. grand experiment in collaboration. You know, right? There's a disconnect like, there, yeah. at least to me. Well, and like you, know, so when they give us the 16 instances of attacks on Orcus, I wish we would have seen those in other issues. Hell's yeah. Uh, I wish we would have seen, you know, because I feel like X-Force deals more with Xeno than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, you know, and, and Orcus, I guess, comes up with S.W.O.R.D. from time to time. Uh, oh, yeah. Or at least once or twice. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's come up at, you know, certain points. But I do, yeah, I, I, when I was reading it, I was kind of like, oh, wait, they got assassins from Avalon to attack Orcus? Why have I not seen this? Why, why, why? I was like, like, I started going back through, like, Excalibur. I was like, wait, did I... Oh no, man, that's a other world thing. And did, yeah. did I miss something? I was like, wait, wait, was that in the last issue of Ex- I thought that that was that was Doctor Doom in the mm. last issue of Excalibur. <laughs> wait a minute, hold on. And then I started going back and looking at wait, 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 the brood, right? The, the brood attacked Orcus. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me go back and look. Wait, no, no, this didn't happen in Jerry Duggan's uh, uh, X. This happened in Hickman. Wait, the brood attacked Krakoa. That's was that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. Last time I saw Brew was in New Mutants, and they were teasing sinister stuff about him. Wait a minute, I'm I'm confused now. What is happening? Am I taking crazy pills? Are these things happening, and just no one's told me about them? Mm-hmm. But that's that's kind of how I felt about those uh, those sixteen uh, instances. Uh, like there's, I think the first one was like Domino escapes, and the first thing I thought was, when did that happen? Yeah, right. right. It, it had me thinking X Force number one. I, no, I love same, that. same. Heck, I Hickman's same. good at that. It was like in those <laughs> those vault issues where he'll write a data page that could be a whole somebody's run 
on a comic book. You know what I mean? Like all sorts of crazy things happen yeah. just in his data page. The the brew thing, and Dave, maybe this is something you were going to bring up later, but I'll just ask you guys, like, if that's all we get, because he set he set <laughs> yeah. that domino up forever ago. Now, there's never been a more obvious domino. If 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 uh, Inferno number four ends by Brew showing up with all the brood and saves the day, it's like, oh, cool, he set that up. But it's like, well, we saw it coming forever ago. Yeah. So I don't know how cool like that would have been. But if this is all we get of that setup, which I loved, I, lo- I loved that the setup, the the lead up to King Brew. I'll be a little bit disappointed. Like, do, do you guys think we'll get more of the brood that in Inferno? Or do you think that's it? That one in particular would be so weird not to go back to because Hickman literally used the New Mutants run that he did to set that up. Like, that was right. that was the net yeah. net of New Mutants was like, yeah, the they King. have a King Egg now, right? And, yeah. then he, and then he went back to it in X-Men and we spent mm-hmm. a few issues there. So, yeah, to not have Brew and the Brood be a bigger thing uh, would be tremendously disappointing like if it was genuinely just like this one little oh they attacked for us thing i'd be Mm. like all that work for that like that's (laughs) that's not worth it so cheap what i'm afraid is is that he had more of a long-term plan and then he decided to leave and he's like all right i'll just throw that in a little line and throw away data page like i hope that's not the case but it's not out of the realm of possibility Did this issue feel rushed or compressed to either of you guys did you did you feel the Oh, I need to I need to finish everything vibes of it. You know, it's Bruno, it's funny you said that, because now that Dave asked the question, that's been on my mind. Yeah. A lot matter of fact, a lot of the time we've been talking, it's kind of been on my mind, like what if Hickman was actually supposed to hang around a lot longer and he just suddenly decided, nah, I'd rather do something else. I'm bored. Or, or you know, maybe there was a disagreement with Marvel or something, or I don't know, whatever. But I feel like, yeah, there. I, I felt a not. A, I don't want to say it was like I felt like the whole thing was rushed, but I do feel like this is the race to get to the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's like okay, well, we only got four issues, and I can only get like you know fifty pages. So, <sighs> all right, well, cool. Let's get let's wrap this. Like I feel like someone hit the wrap it up box. Right. Yeah, and I mean like, the irony. Like, it's like I, I know where you're coming from. Like with they're that. playing them off the stage. Yeah, the irony of that though is like we literally were just moments ago talking about, mm-hmm. or I was talking about like like I wish they had progressed this faster. So it's like yeah, it's hard to call it's hard to call the journey rushed because it was not. Mm-hmm. Well, um, no, the journey definitely not. But these mm-hmm. issues in particular might have some of that flavor, I think, because now mm-hmm. it's like. Yeah, we we just we have to try to get to everything. So not everything, and and Hickman does not come by that way of storytelling naturally. Like he'd rather take the beats of Doug having a morning routine and waking up and kissing his wife. Like he's gonna take those beats, um, mm-hmm. and that's gonna eat a page count, even in a, a giant giant sized comic. So uh, yeah, it, again, like it's a comic I like uh, a fair amount. It's, yeah, it's good. It sets the stage. I'm excited about what Inferno is gonna be. Um, but I do, I do wonder about the size and the scale. And I think at the end of the day, like by the end of this, we're just not going to have answers to all the things that were set. We're just not going right. to have, you know, it's like brew might, that might just be a callback and Hickman's like, yeah, I'm leaving it for other writers. Cool. Vita Ayala touched right. it in new mutants. She gets to deal with mm-hmm. it or they get to deal with it rather. Um, yeah. you know, like that's, that might happen. You know, the, the Vulcan stuff, you know, by the end of this, like that's not touched on in this issue. That's another, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's not touched on at all here. Vulcan thing. 
I hope it all ties in. I hope I hope he just by issue three he's dropping everything. Vulcan, Phalanx, everything just comes together. But it, I don't know. It'll be hard to make that not feel rushed. I'm honestly like when the announcement of Inferno came. I was like, okay, you know, all right, they're they're making him do another event. But then when we learned like this is it, like my excitement level went way up because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, they're not gonna drag it out anymore. We're about to get slam banged with all sorts of of Hickman craziness. Yeah. So, but back to your point before, as I'm sitting here thinking about what we got in issue number one, for 52 pages, we didn't get slam banged. We just kind of we took our time. But it but it is issue number one, of of yeah, what is ultimately yeah. going to be a 200 page hardcover. You know, right, like right, it's, right, it's gonna read right. that way, full in full. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know what it reminds me. It reminds me of you know, you know, God help anyone that doesn't understand where come from. It's more of a wrestling thing, but it reminds me of that dream match. You know, you get you know, the the two best superstars, like the most popular guys. You get them in the ring going against each other, and they're just kind of filling each other out for the first like two or three minutes of the match. That's what this felt like to me. Like not in a bad way, but it's just like like. All right, all right, let's go. All right, I see the potential. I see the potential. I see exactly where this can progress to and become like a much significantly bigger thing. Though I will say, I don't expect the phalanx to factor in mm. to anything. Yeah. In regards to this, I think that that would almost be a bridge too far. But I do feel like Hickman is setting up somebody, right? Uh, in the in the in the X office. To tackle that, like whether it's Jerry Duggan with his right. X Men series, or if it's Al Ewing with Sword, That's or who fact. knows, it right. could even yeah. Like I actually think Sword would be probably the, the best place. I also wouldn't be surprised if Vita Ayala got to tackle it with New Mutants, just mm-hmm. because that's where Warlock tends to pretty much hang out these sure. days. Yeah, uh, but. I do feel like, yeah, like what you said, Dave, I, I do feel there are going to be some of these threads that will not get answers from Hickman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like he's teeing people. He's basically setting up the alley-oop for somebody else, and they can either kind of like how you know, we always have those uh, where you – know, and even Hickman's done this where he's taken things that were nods back to previous writers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, previous ex-writers from like you know anywhere between – five to ten years prior even longer and he's like well i'm gonna kind of pay this off a little bit in my own little way yeah you know or i'll do this here in my own little way like i kind of feel like he's setting that same situation up for everybody else in the x office uh you know one way or the other but out uh, of yeah. everything the phalanx is the one that i want i want hickman to do that i mean i want yeah. him to do all of it but out of everything that he's set up, that's the one thing that I do want to definitely have him do. Yeah. Now, Al Ewing and Sword, I think, with his Marvel cosmic knowledge and and just his style, he is the other guy to do it for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be he'd have he the sci-fi really cosmic fun. chops, I think, to potentially oh, pull yeah. that off uh, in a way that not a lot of writers have. Um, okay, so let's let's start to wrap this up. I think final final thoughts around what do we think. So Inferno is four issues. We th- I, mm-hmm. I'm confident, like you just talked about, you know, Ernie, like I think Hickman's going to set up a lot of assists. I do also think he's going to flush some home, right? There's going to be a handful of yeah. donks here that are like, that's Moira's story. That's Destiny's right. story, right? Those, That's kind of what I had in mind for that. Um, what do we think are the big things that are going to get in? An- or like, what are you looking forward to getting answers on most? Let's put it that way. And uh, mm-hmm. how will that set the stage for like a new era in 2022 because 2022 is going to feel different with comics, right? Whether it's literally new oh, titles yeah. or just the status quo has changed so much. Uh, Verna, let's start with you. What are you, what are you looking forward to 
the most by the end of this. I guess it's it's all things all things Moira. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, and honestly, it's the, it's the phalanx, but that as we've been discussing, that's the one that I don't I don't feel like we're gonna get. Although I don't know. I mean, actually, kind of, I'd be kind of surprised if Hickman didn't touch that before we left. But yeah, it's it's phalanx. It's it's Rasputin. I want you know what yeah. I mean. I I want yeah. that would be amazing if like Rasputin showed up with Zorn. They're like, oh man, black holes are a bitch to travel through. But here we are. <laughs> <laughs> like that would be it would be incredible. Yeah. So I mean, it just it, as many things as he can wrap up from House and Powers as possible, but especially the Phalanx and the Moira post post humans. I want it all. I want everything. Yeah, right. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the challenge. <laughs> Ernie, what, what do you think? What do you, what do you oh, most want to see by the end of this? Um, you know what? I mean, definitely, I want to see the shape of like the 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 shape that Krakoa takes. Yeah. In a, not saying this is what's going to happen, but in a post-Charles Magneto leadership, where maybe there's different people in charge after it's all said. Like, once all the dust is settled, all the smoke is cleared, what if we end up living in a world where Mystique and Destiny are calling the shots? Hmm. Or Destiny, Mystique, and (gasps) Mora are calling the shots. Mm-hmm. Like, what if we live in that kind of world where the villains, uh, or not, well, not saying more as a villain, but, you know, the, the people who have been typically bad guys in X-Men history, because we know Sabretooth's coming back. Uh, eventually, at some point, Apocalypse is going to come back. It probably won't be anytime terribly soon. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what if, because what it's looking like right now is the Quiet Council is starting to look a lot more like a, a, a rogues gallery. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> than right. anything that's else. Funny. That's kind of what I'm like because you know they said by the uh, one of the things I think Hickman said at one point was that Krakoa is going to be drastically different uh, once all this is over. Like it's not going to be the same as what it was before. Right. There's going there's this the you know, this is this fire is supposed to bring change, and that's what I want to see. I want to see how they prosper under a completely different set of leadership, especially with everybody having been so disenfranchised. Uh, Emma has been disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, she's kind of seen like, "Mm, y'all messing up. Uh, You know, the five apparently may be feeling that way as well. Other people are, you know, even Wolverine has said a a lot of times throughout his own series and in other books that, yeah, this, this place is kind of making us soft. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we don't have the same edge we used to. I, and even Cyclops to a degree kind of seems like he's him and Gene kind of not, I won't say they don't seem disenfranchised, but they seem like, eh, we could do better. Yeah. Right. You They're know, not I want to so lockstep see, with Xavier and Magneto. Right. No. I want to see where they go for from here because, you know, that's what we've seen the most of is Magneto and Charles. I want to see new leadership. Yeah, no, I think those are great picks. I mean, I think those are great picks. I think mm-hmm. the, I, I want to see all those things for sure. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I think what I want to see probably the most is the closest we can get to an error of finality to this idea of Hickman's X-Men. Because I think it's going to continue to be the biggest barrier for X-Men comics moving forward is just the constant comparison in 2022 to be like, Oh, like it's not as good as as it would have been if Hickman was here, or um, oh, what he would have, what would he have really done if he had the chance? And I think like one thing we have to consider is like if Inferno dunks enough things home, this might be what he was really going to do. Like this might mostly yeah. be what the plan was. 
Um, and then probably there's some like kind of future state like, oh, lifeline reset or, you know, this is this is how the phalanx really come into this. I mean, I think to what you said, Verno, one thing that I would leave Inferno feeling very disappointed if it didn't tease out some way that Powers of Ten is relevant and that right. future timelines and all of that hard sci-fi stuff is relevant to the story that is still going on because we do like I think I think really I just want future timeline stuff honestly like like where is our days of future past what does that look like can we get an issue in here like if issue three of Inferno is future timeline days of future past type vibe this series will be amazing I'll love it right like just mm-hmm. like almost certainly so I think that's probably the thing I want to see the most because otherwise we get out of this and it'll be like just a checklist of like, well, we didn't get this, we didn't get this, we didn't get this. Right. You know, we got a cool Myra story and great, I, I dug it, but we didn't get all these things. And I just think that's going to be very unsatisfying for the vast majority of readers who were brought into this by a House and Power series that mm-hmm. was so good <laughs> and teased it was so airtight. much. It was airtight, yeah. but, it, but it also just all the power stuff was like, oh, like we have a vision for the future uh-huh. and science fiction of X-Men that just has not been tapped into. Um, so I, I definitely want to see that more than anything. Um, I think definitely like the expectations around Kirk Cohen leadership and what the Island looks like, like that stuff is all, it's all kind of besides the point. It's all kind of not the point because the point is the thing Mara says when she comes into the room and sees professor X and Magneto and says, Oh, are you all here to start talking about the only thing that matters mutant survival? And it's like, yeah, that's the only thing that matters here is the long-term planning is the long-term survival. Everything else is window dressing, you know, mm-hmm. Krakoa's window dressing. Like that's just a means to an end. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I want, I want to see more of that. I want to see where we might go. Uh, I'm excited about it. I, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know. As, uh, as the issues continue, so this is going to come out through the end of the year, you know, we'll have issue two at the end of October, issue three, November, presumably, and then we'll end in December. I uh, definitely want to have you guys yeah. back on for, you know, definitely the conclusion. Um, if one of these issues, is an absolute bombshell, then definitely you'll be getting you'll be getting oh. some messages and uh, we'll see if we can do it. But thanks to everybody who jumped on in the chat. I really appreciate everybody joining. Uh, Vernos, uh, Ernie, did you did either of you guys read Wolverine today? I have one question about it. I, I have not read Wolverine. I read it yesterday and I I've read like sixteen books yesterday. I remember there was some snickting. He said Bub once. <laughs> so here's 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 the question. If you if you have an answer, great. If you don't, I'll get to it next week. Um it was shown that there's a secret part of Krakoa that had some revival eggs and another cerebral helmet. Do you think this has anything to do with what's going on in Inferno? Yes. No, I don't know. Okay. Okay. I'll tackle it next time. Yeah. Just based on the information, I would say, even though I haven't read it, I would say it probably does. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think they're just the, the way that everything is set up. It's like, it does seem like Hickman is in his own little bubble half the time. I don't think that there's anything that's going to be super current right now. Like the fact that it didn't tie in with trial of Magneto. I feel like if it's happening right now yeah. in, in Wolverine, yeah. that it probably won't have anything to do with, with Inferno. That's just my yeah. gut. How feeling. how weird is it going to be to be reading X-Books over the next four months that are, right. like, Inferno agnostic? That's going to be so weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't... Like the, yeah. Like, like, having a pro-tie-in argument is clearly not a non-starter. Like, nobody, <laughs> nobody comes right. out and they're like, I need more tie-ins, right? Like, it's not a popular yeah, no. opinion. No. But... <laughs> but, right, I was thinking a little bit it's ago. It's going to be weird. I almost... I almost said it that I'm like, wait a minute, what am I? But what am I about to what say? What am I saying? It's like, yeah. What do you mean, tie in? <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, 
the closest we get to like trial like tying into this is Magneto's wearing the same costume. That's right. really that's really it. There's no mention of you know the Scarlet Witch being back. There's no mention of Mystique, uh, who w- has kind of been a I don't say a central figure, but a person of interest. Oh yeah, <laughs> in trial of Magneto, so yeah. it's kind of like hmm. I don't know. Right. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining. I really appreciate you all in the chat. Uh, thanks to everybody who donated for this. That's super, super generous of you. Um, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com. At comicbookherald online, please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, do all sorts of X-Men chats like this on the regular. Uh, Verna, where can people find you? Uh, well, I have traditionally only been on the podcast, but... Uh... If I can, if I can beg, if you want to see a grown man beg, I just started this YouTube channel about about a month ago. So I'm only like at like 105 subscribers. If I can get some people, go search the Cerebros on YouTube. I do weekly non spoiler reviews on on a variety of books, a whole bunch of books, and then I do uh, every Sunday I have on guests like you two handsome fellows right here, and we talk about some of the best books of the week. I've got Rockin' Robbie Billups from Pop Culture Philosophers, one of the one of the best people in in the industry out there. He's on the on the show with me this week. So really looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, man, that, that's that's about it. Nice. Ernie, where should people look for you? Oh, man, you can find me uh, primarily on YouTube, uh, youtube.com forward slash blurred without fear. Uh, I do a lot of uh, X-Men coverage. I also uh, do coverage of other comics as well. Like sometimes I do Daredevil, sometimes I do Thor, sometimes I do Hulk, sometimes I do Venom. Uh, I do DC books every once in a blue moon. Uh, I, I've been doing a lot of the milestone media uh, relaunch stuff. And I also like to make videos breaking down lesser known characters. Uh, so that's uh, that's what you can expect uh, over in uh, Blur Without Fear's Neck of the Woods. Don't forget the Blurred Cave Live every oh, Saturday yeah. at noon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? What, what, what a good hype, man. <laughs> that was actually a good plug because I, I sure as hell forgot it. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I also do the Blurred Cave every Saturday. Uh, so you know, come through. I'm always talking about the best and worst of what's going on in uh, the realm of uh, comic books, comic book movies, and comic book TV shows. Uh. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Thanks so much, you guys, for hopping on. I really appreciate it. Uh, everybody else, I'll see you next week on uh, on Casual Krakoa. And we'll-